Good morning. Welcome to Wake the F Up on UMFM 101.5. We are Thursdays 11 to 11.30. My name is Karan. My pronouns are he, him. And from last week's episode, I have my friend Agata back. Hello, my name's Agata. You can uh, use the she, her pronouns for me. UMFM 101.5 broadcasts from the University of Manitoba campuses located on the stolen lands of Anishinaabeg, Nihayawak, Cree, Ojikri, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. We respect the treaties that were made on these territories. We acknowledge the harms and mistakes of the past and those that are still ongoing in the present. We acknowledge our privilege as settlers on this land, and we dedicate ourselves to move forward in partnership with Indigenous communities in a spirit of decolonization and collaboration. So, last week, Agata and I talked about right-wing populism, we ran out of time because, well, it's a big topic. It's a to big be topic, sure. and we're actually really upset that that's a big topic. <laughs> yeah, but it is what it is. Right-wing populism is a trend. So today we're actually going to look at something far more interesting. Well, a little scary actually, but interesting to me as an outsider to this whole community. Before we start talking about this, I actually want to reference and remind people of something that happened on the University of Manitoba campuses last year. Over the summer, actually, we saw that ID Canada had some stickers up on different places. And I think CBC covered that whole shenanigan. And ID Canada, basically, if you go onto their website which I have and I hope that I'm not put on a watch list because of it, (laughs) but basically denies that colonization was bad and that Europeans were the sole pillars of this nation and that we need to, well, they need to stop having more third world immigration into Canada, which is a European nation and all of that. (laughs) I'm not quite sure how this is any more my nation as a European immigrant than any other immigrant, but all right. (laughs) Just some subtle shade. So that happened. And then Halloween 
we saw that there were posters put up everywhere, actually. I myself remember taking one down just by the quad opposite of the administration building. I remember like tearing it down very angrily. But those posters read, it's okay to be white. Now, I am going to quote this from the Manitoban, the article that was released. One of the three articles that talked about this whole issue The posters were displayed on white paper and placed throughout campus sometime overnight, October 31st. They were mainly concentrated in the Faculty of Arts, including Isbister, Fletcher Argue, and Tier Buildings. The Women's and Gender Studies Department received the same message via fax, signed by A. Wyatt Mann, which I can only assume is sent by a white man. The poster campaign has roots in the U.S., where it originated on a message board on anonymous online forum 4chan. The idea has caught on outside of the U.S. with Canadian alt-right online communities posting the guidelines and encouraging followers to take part in this campaigning. Stickers with the phrase were found near University of Winnipeg campus in 2017. Similar ones were found that week in Halifax, New Westminster, and Ottawa. Now, this has been happening for a long time as a prank. People dress up in Halloween costumes. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a, what they call proof of concept in air quotes, where it's supposed to prank left-wingers into making a big deal out of nothing. But the thing is, it's not nothing. Like Right. It's pretty clearly has an underlying idea, a dog whistle. Right, and... This actually originated as a campaign message that said, don't apologize for being white or something of the sort. But because it was linguistically not too flowy, they decided to change it to it's okay to be white. Now, what the original idea of this is that white populists and right wingers often being endangered in their own eyes, in their own perception as though their culture, their language, their ideas, their European identities are at risk of wiping out because of immigration and all, all these basic populist beliefs, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty standard belief that is shared by um, most fascist movements. Uh, to, for example, quote Umberto Eco, who wrote the famous article on fascism called Or Fascism. The followers must feel humiliated by the ostentatious wealth and force of their enemies. However, the followers must be convinced that they can overwhelm the enemies. Thus, by a continuous shifting of rhetorical focus, the enemies are at the same time too strong and too weak. Fascist governments are condemned to lose wars because they are continuously incapable of objectively evaluating the force of the enemy. So, right-wingers like to frame themselves as victims, but at the same time like to frame their enemies are as weaklings. So they are simultaneously victimized and the enemy is simultaneously weak, degenerate, just soy, beta, males, cucks, you know the language. Right. It's really interesting because the whole idea is that you left-wingers are always prone to this idea of victimhood, blah, 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 blah. But you are failing to see that we're the real victims here. In falsifying and in blaming victimhood, they themselves claim victimhood. Which is a really interesting point. And it should be noted that this is the whole momentum that keeps perpetuating itself within these communities. Now, 
what I am interested in learning and what I want to talk about is 4chan. So last week, actually, Agata and I decided to go onto 4chan. And I should actually rephrase this. Agata told me to not go onto 4chan. <laughs> and I, being the inquisitive person I am, decided to do it anyway. And let me tell you, folks, it scarred me for a solid day and a half. It took me a little bit. And it, was, it wasn't even that I scrolled past, like, one page even. I read the first comment and said, nope. And that was it. Yeah, it was right from the start when you go onto that website, you're encountered with some very, very disturbing things. Disturbing is not even a word that encapsulates fully the content that I saw and that I read. It's fully diluted messages just flooding your computer screen. And for people who feel that they are disenfranchised from society because of immigrants or whatever, feminists, whatever they consider to be the left-wing crazies, people can actually get caught in that vortex of ideas and everything that just validates everything that they think is right. Oh, definitely. I mean, for most people, from what I heard about like people who used to be in uh, right-wing movements, they don't start off being super hateful, but they slowly slide into that. So, you know, like when you go into 4chan, right away you see that sort of bigotry and, and all this really quite hateful stuff, but it's clouded in that idea of just joking this is ironic you know we don't really mean it but the the ideas are there right and if you spend enough time reading those ideas and going through them eventually you will internalize those ideas yeah and and that stands true for any idea really right like yes once you're exposed to something and you start agreeing with it you're bound to internalize these ideas. Now, what happened on this campus was far less violent, like, or overtly violent than any other event that online radicalization has led to. I mean, I'm sure these pranks have happened. When I say pranks, I use that word loosely. <laughs> have happened uh, throughout, throughout North America. But what about much more violent Events. Events, yes, is the word I'm looking for. What happens when online communities actually lead to that? So, correct me if I'm wrong, but the massacre in New Zealand recently by the shooter who was actually extremely right-wing, he released his manifesto, he caught the shooting live, or he streamed it live on Facebook, yada, yada, yada. He was actually very, very, very radicalized by online communities yes and he reveled in it i'm not sure if you read the manifesto i encountered it right after the shooting it was just filled with uh references to online meme culture wow yes. i actually never wanted to look at it because it was too much uh, but wow yes it was it was like full 80 pages of going through his ideas with just memes sprinkled in. And isn't that also relevant to the person who sent bombs to all these Democrats in the United States? 
Oh, yes, definitely. There has been so many events connected to all these spaces like 4chan, like certain subreddits, like YouTube channels, things like the Charlottesville the rally. The Charlottesville rally. That was the biggest thing that I can remember in contemporary times that shone some light on what online radicalization can do. Yes, it was a very, very blatant display of how powerful this messaging and this, like you said, vortex of hate is. And we saw that in the killing of Heather Hare as well, right? The person who mowed down the pedestrians that were anti-fascist, they were protesting these white supremacists, were peaceful. Yes. And soon after, there appeared conspiracy theories about how uh, she died not as a result of being struck by the car, but rather by a heart attack, which is painfully untrue. Um, There is public information available that she did die due to uh, blunt force trauma from the car. Right. But people try to frame it as her being scared by the car attack and dying as like a thing that's unrelated, which is just crazy. If you cause someone to have a heart attack because you mowed down a whole bunch of pedestrians, you're still responsible. Right. You are. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the truth doesn't matter. As long as it appeals to the instinct of white, straight, cis, able-bodied male victimization, as long as it feeds into that, that's what's truth to to a lot of these online communities. Right. And it's so easy, even in normal life, to buy into subcultures, right? Like, people like fashion, people like politics, people like... I don't know. People like different things. <laughs> like here, it's violent in that people are collectivizing on the basis of hate for other people. And that is the violence that is being seen in any event that you pick up that a white supremacist has done, basically. Like take, for example, any sort of like school shootings or anything like that. A lot of them are actually catalyzed by these online subcultures. Definitely. Uh, just the fact that you're seeing these massacres now being broadcast, I think, is enough proof that these websites play a huge role in causing these events, in pushing people towards these events. And online platforms are responsible for a lot of dissent too, right? Like, good, healthy dissent between people. And that's great. But... What happens when our AI or any of the sort of like artificial thing is responsible to moderate the content? So Facebook employs some people and, you know, over a minute they're forced to see all these like horrible things surfacing the Internet and they are not paid for their emotional labor that they put into that or really any fair wages and they have to moderate this content. But I was actually listening to CBC's Front Burner podcast that was talking about YouTube and how it is responsible for a lot of the radicalization in the youth. Yes. Towards right-wing extremism. And that the this sort of artificial intelligence is kind of pushing content that is more edgy, quote-unquote. And oftentimes that happens to be right-wing conspiracy theories and things like that so if you're a child watching say 
how to run or something like that. YouTube will still push content that is, quote unquote, again, edgy. And that is actually leading people towards more radicalization into extremist beliefs. Yes, the YouTube algorithm is, well, it's it's a complicated thing, but I think it's pretty clear that it aims for drawing people into watching a lot of videos, a lot of similar videos in a short amount of time. And the videos that often have the catchiest titles and are sort of similar to each other will often make a sort of chain of where you click on one and suddenly your whole YouTube is just filled with recommendations for this sort of similar stuff. So it's really easy to go from watching a single like SJW cringe compilation into <laughs> finding things like Lauren Southern and oh. uh, Alex Jones. Or oh, Faith I think Alex Goldie or someone. Well, probably. I think Alex Jones got taken off of YouTube. Probably. I, I think mean, so. I, I hope so. But yeah, it's re- it's really easy. Even for adults, you you click on like Joe Rogan or or right. uh, Dave Rubin, who are sort of right wingish, but they're not like super right wingish. And the people they have on as guests and the connections that the YouTube algorithm makes quickly gets you into some really racist, bigoted environment. And it's really easy for youth to buy into that really quickly. So after the Christchurch shooting, Jacinda Ardern, who is the prime minister of New Zealand, super cool woman, love her. She is so powerful. I think I've never seen action being taken so quickly, mostly because a lot of our politics and news is also fed by this hegemonic United States of America. Oh, yes. (laughs) So action there is never taken after such a fatal shooting. But within six days, all like assault rifles were banned and all of all of the bans came into place. And now she's negotiating with these tech giants that we need to moderate extremist content and get it off online platforms. Yes. I, I gotta say, I, I want to be hopeful about these sort of attempts, mm-hmm. but from what I've seen, the responses to any of that sort of thing from these people running these platforms have been pretty uh, not great. For example, in April 2018, the Reddit CEO, uh, Steve Huffman, said that racism is permitted on Reddit that he's not going to censor it. And this has been sort of like a running thread where a lot of these companies are profiting off of these right-wing echo chambers and they are not really willing to change that. So I'm not sure how that whole proposal is going to go. Are you hopeful about it? I really wish I could say yes. I mean... I understand that, you know, like we're taking steps in directions where we're waiting to see how minorities are affected. So basically, in a, in essence, I think we're waiting for people to die in order to realize that this content does need to be moderated, that free speech doesn't mean freedom from consequences of speech and that trans people are dying. So Twitter came out with its misgendering ban in that if you misgender someone, 
you can lose your account or whatever their policing policy is on that or that you know Mark Zuckerberg is kind of becoming more open into stopping these white nationalist or any sort of extremist propaganda posts right so that makes me hopeful but it's like okay so we're actually rooted in such 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 a capitalist world order that we cannot realize the impacts of these ideas until they have negatively impacted someone yeah it's it's like pulling teeth you know it's so hard to get people to take this seriously like even everyday people they don't want to acknowledge that you know maybe people are not just saying stuff online quote unquote mm-hmm and and that's the thing like even in this moderation there's so many double standards here because when ISIS propaganda was floating the internet it got taken down really fast and that's good that's what we need that's what we need before anyone quotes me and says SJW cringe compilation <laughs> that's what we need we need that kind of moderation ISIS should not have any propaganda floating on the internet but same thing goes for white nationalists white supremacists that believe that uh, black people have smaller brains and therefore they need to die like or eugenics like these people should not have a platform because when they propagate these ideas people die yes and i think that such a and i think that it's so toxic because they don't even need to see that people are dying for it to be viewed as bad because for them these people dying is actually good which is inherently so 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 messed up yeah it's it's not a bug it's a feature Wow, well put. That was well put. And and I remember when you know, I think it was a year ago or so, Milo Yiannopoulos, is that how you say his last name? I believe so. Sure. Milo Yiannopoulos. I don't want to give him the time of the day, but he had Instagram, he had Twitter, he had all these like platforms, he right? He had a good thing going he for him. He had a good following. Milo Yiannopoulos had had been a very outspoken gay supporter of Trump, right? And he was very much like a supporter for Twinks for Trump and, you know, referencing photo shoots from those groups and things like that. But what happened to him? He he got completely deplatformed. His, his means of getting money from people have been cut off and he faded into relative obscurity well that's what one can hope for him because uh he was a vile vile person because i actually remember when he had instagram i remember going through it and crying in 2016 he had posted a photo with a shirt that said islam hates and then it was a slur for gay people so it said islam hates blah 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 and and then he his caption said this post is about to blow up because it has the word islam in it or something like that basically referencing this myth that all muslim people are terrorists and that they will blow up the place and that they hate queer people that they hate queer people which is you know fun fact muslims in united states are more likely to vote for a right to same-sex marriage than evangelical christians wow okay well didn't know that but thank you for that little fact bomb over there which is inherently so upsetting to see that that was still being posted and i remember over the course of two years going back 
and reporting that photo multiple times and Instagram still not taking it down before they completely decided to ban him. Yeah. And now he's in debt. He's in millions and millions of dollars of debt. Isn't that true? That is true. And he's gone. He's gone. And when you ask me if that brings me hope, yes, to some extent. But then again, I'm faced with this question of how many more people do we need to lose to realize that, well, this is the need of the hour. Yeah, it's it's too little, too late. And it's, it's always, always. going to be like that. It's always going to be like that. I mean, if we haven't realized that the school shootings in the United States are enough to ban assault rifles for ID-less Americans to buy, then, I mean, clearly we're not on the right track here. And I really, really wish that we could end off this episode on a positive note, but the reality remains that we don't know. Yeah, the this future is, is uncertain. This is so, so, so contemporary. I mean, only two months ago, we had a shooting that was radicalized because of such online communities. This is very new. I mean, it's been in the works for... For a long time, yeah, uh, for sure. Decade plus minus five years, <laughs> let's say. And the deeper underlying systems that push this forward have been going for centuries, really. Of course, right, right. But the way this has bubbled to the surface, that is new. And that needs some new solutions. Right. Well... What we can end off is by assuring everyone that the University of Manitoba community reacted to it in a in a way that it deserved to be reacted towards. People condemned it. People hated the fact that this ever happened. I believe that there was a whole exhibition in the art lab co-led by the School of Fine Art Student Association and people put up these big, big, big artworks that said coexist and you know like there was that was the theme coexistence and how we celebrate diversity and inclusion in new societies and i remember even um several months ago i'm not sure who put those posters up but there were posters about facts about immigration and saying that immigrants are welcome and i i thought these were quite nice and you know we're still finding ways of decoding how these online communities work, the incels, the Stacys, the Chads, and the Normies. And, uh, yeah, and, and all the other buzzwords that, yeah, that we see and that were called apparently. Agata, would yeah. you be a Stacy according to the incels, the involuntarily celibates? I think, aren't all women Stacys? I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think there's a think Becky so. in there somewhere, but I'm not <laughs> sure which one's better, the Stacy or the Becky. So I'm going to go with Becky because I like the name better. <laughs> I think that's a very valid point. I think that's a very good reason for you to want to be called Becky. I think I I don't think I'd be a Chad. I think I'd be a normie, right? Like a, just a normal person who's a left winger. Is that what a normie? I think left wingers are like blue-pilled cucks more than normies. Ah, okay. I think normies are like more just regular people who don't care much for politics. Oh, true, true, true. That's not me. And okay. we're like the, the soy boys, the cucks, the okay. whatever other. Okay. 
Sure, I'll take the I'll take that name. I'll I'm, take that I'm pet the, name. I'm the blue pilled Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, we can only hope that these online subcultures and radicalization platforms are more moderate and they're moderated really and um yeah let's see what happens in the future let's see with the upcoming u.s elections what what other group of people is going to be at risk and vulnerable so cross your fingers really (laughs) really really positive note to end on but that's all the time we have this time around folks Thank you so much for tuning in to Wake the F Up on UMFM 101.5. We'll catch you folks next week. Bye. Thanks, Agata. (laughs) 